Boy. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Headhunter Hideout. Super excited today to have Craig Fisher with us. He is the founder of Talent Net Media. Craig, I am so uh, I'm so happy to to have you on as a guest. I'd love for you just to give a uh, a quick introduction on who you are, uh, what you do, what you're up to, and uh, yeah, I'd love to, love to hear that from you. Well, thanks, Joel. Appreciate that. I'm Craig Fisher, and as Joel said, I'm the owner of TalentNet Media, and TalentNet is a consulting business in the recruitment space. Uh, we also help sales teams. And what we do is assess uh, your funnel marketing process for talent attraction, uh, all the way from candidate experience to employer brand and recruitment marketing. And then we help fill in the gaps where you might need tech or you might need a better process. Um, and uh, we've been doing that for many, many, many years now. So since 2010. And uh, we also host the largest recruitment conference in the Southwest uh, region of the United States, really probably the Southern United States, we could say that now. Yeah. Um, and have been doing that also since 2009, um, hosting the TalentNet conference. Uh, and uh, boy, do we have fun. And you're going to have to come join us again, uh, Joel, the next time we do it. Yeah, I'd, man, I would, I would love that. And uh, I think I'm just trying to think how we originally crossed paths. I know, uh, funnily enough, I, I just listened to your episode of the podcast with Adam Posner. I think that's originally um, how how I'd, I'd heard of you. I just kind of got more into the recruitment marketing space. And I heard that episode you did with him. And uh you know, just started following you immediately. And then I think on Clubhouse is where we originally connected. So right. um, I'd, I'd love to hear from you, like how you got started off in the recruitment industry. That's typically um, yeah, how we start off the show. Mm -hmm. I'd love to just hear how you got into the industry. And uh, and then we can chat a little bit about what's changed and, and how you ended up doing what you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. So when I graduated from <clears throat> the University of Oklahoma in 1990, um, I had done some really good homework uh, on how to get hired in the pharmaceutical industry. And one of the things I did was stay an extra semester and graduated in December. So there was less competition. Uh, like I went to that level of detail to. Who gave you that idea? Out. Like, I mean, obviously you didn't have uh, the LinkedIn coaches to, to tell you back then. Like, how did, how did you come yeah. up with that idea? Yeah, so I, I read books. Uh, I read lots of books. Martin Yate uh, wrote an amazing uh, series of books that I, I started reading. Uh, and um, I just studied. I mean, really, literally studied. I, I did an internship uh, where I picked medical products from a warehouse, put them in a van, drove them to doctor's offices. That was, that was my, one of my summer jobs. And, um, you know, learned all the uh, technology, all the uh, brands, all the, you know, what everything does, efficacy, all that stuff. And, uh, and Glaxo hired me right out of school. So I uh, went to Houston and uh, sold pharmaceuticals for a couple of years. And then I got a better job selling hospital equipment. Uh, did that for about three and a half years. And then um, some things changed in the way that you could entertain doctors. And a lot of my friends in like 1995, uh, jumped over to physician recruiting. So 
uh, you know, work more directly with the hospitals, um, you know, fly to locations and check them out and help doctors get jobs. And because I'd gotten so into the recruiting process to find my first job, um, I immediately became a team leader and manager in these, you know, early medical sales jobs that I had. And because I was good at hiring and recruiting. And I'm like, you know what, this sounds like it's for me. This sounds really great. And so I got recruited into it. Uh, and I sold, uh, I, I recruited physicians for a year uh, before, you know, kind of the tech boom hit and a bunch of us jumped over to tech uh, in 1996 or so. And uh, then I was off to the races. I was a recruiter of the year at Matrix Resources, uh, rookie of the year, uh, multiple things, became a team leader there and then moved into a role where I was a director at another company. Um, and we helped uh, big you know, consulting firms like Accenture and KPMG uh, build their teams to implement Oracle, SAP, PeopleSoft, uh, that sort of thing. I actually recruited and placed the first ever PeopleSoft consultant on a job uh, in anywhere. <laughs> so what what do you, uh, I mean, it makes, a, it makes a lot of sense. And I think obviously recruiting, there's, there's a ton of sales in, in recruiting as well. But outside of that, I mean, what what do you think was the reason you were so successful in that first year? I mean, what what skills kind of translated into any of you being successful in a recruitment right out yeah. of the gate like that? Yeah. So uh, a few things. I was um, I was manipulating systems from day one, uh, and you know, also I graduated with an advertising degree, and recruiting is largely an advertising business. Yeah. And um, you know, if you think about it, you're doing you're it's a sales job. Um, we call it recruiting, but it's a sales job. Uh, and it's the only sales job where your product can change its mind. All right. And it's a, a thing where you can, if you understand systems well enough, figure out um, the efficiencies in whatever tracking system you're using, um, you know, cadences when and where candidates will respond. I started teaching myself to code so that I could lurk in the online places where, uh, you know, the techies were hanging out that I was trying to recruit. So I wasn't a threat, right? I was asking legitimate questions and every once in a while, oh, by the way, I'm hiring. But I came at everything with this sense of advertising and marketing. And, um, you know, if you, if you do that, if you don't look at this as, you know, its own animal, uh, what would you do in consumer marketing? Uh, what would you do in, you know, uh, B2C sales and how would you build you know a brand how would you as a person stand out if you know you were working for johnson and johnson uh right you know you gotta you gotta be interesting and people you know you, you need people to want to come to you and so all those things i incorporated into my process and and obviously you know you know my my take on this and i'm sure anybody who's listening to this from my page you know i'm all about building brands and inbound marketing, but, you know, I've, I'm obviously coming in from the approach of online. And obviously when you, when you were doing that, there wasn't an online and as we, we know it. Um, so I guess where, I mean, what, what, what did it look like back then? I mean, obviously now we can just say, Hey, post on Twitter, post on Instagram, post on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, what, what did that look like then for you? And um, I guess, how did you, 
how did you bring that into the agency life that you were working in? And like, did you find yourself like consulting people around you on how to do that and people coming to you for advice on that? Like, what, what did that look like? Yeah, always. Um, so I became kind of a, a technology subject matter expert. Um, you know, back then we had uh, Monster came first um, mm -hmm. and Career Builder and Dice came quickly uh, after that. And so I was learning how to manipulate those uh, systems, right? I, I had already gotten good at writing ads for Sunday newspapers. So, uh, you know, the, the language part I had down, how to attract people with, you know, how you describe a job. Um, but, you know, I was the job board master and the, uh, I, I literally wrote the instruction manual for our homegrown Lotus Notes applicant tracking system at Matrix. Um, and then we had like AOL, uh, chat rooms uh where people I love would be, that. yeah and, and you know so there's all these techie chat rooms and they would be like no recruiters uh and i was one of the few people that was ever let into some of these places uh and so you know all these different types of chat boards and uh you know crazy stuff i would spend all night uh hanging out you know understanding when people were online and so i started teaching myself uh, Dreamweaver and Photoshop and, you know, how to code and started building websites and practicing. Uh, and so I could go ask all these, you know, very legitimate questions, but I could also advertise my own jobs because I figured out, you know, early on about SEO, which back then, man, it was kind of simple. Nothing I, th I think I think there's still people who are catching on to SEO as well. So obviously you're just way, way before your time right. uh, with that. I just wanted to, to we've got Aldo out there. So Aldo, great. Thanks for tuning in. And a uh, good friend of ours, Carrie as well. Carrie, always great to see you. Hello from Tulsa. Always great to see you. And then look at this. We got my twin. So my evil digital doppelganger <laughs> on there. Dave, good to see you. Dave. And then uh, Mara, good to see you. And uh, Lahona, great to see you as well. Um, Man, it's, I, I feel like I want to. I like want to jump to Clubhouse right away because I think Clubhouse is kind of like a online AOL. But I'm, I'm going to hold off on that. I'm I'm curious to hear. Um, you know, obviously, obviously back back then, there's not there's not a lot of training for me. There's not a lot of training right now in the recruitment space when it comes to uh, branding and writing. You know, you're talking about things like copywriting and writing effective ads. Yeah. What? Why do you think? there's such a big emphasis on just pure outbound activity within, and, and this is speaking more from like the agency world, but you look at internal as well. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's so, so much of an emphasis on being a hunter, being that person that can go out and find the passive candidates. Mm -hmm. um, why, why do you think that there's, there's such an emphasis on that within the agency world compared to, you know, developing, inbound strategies and understanding some of those marketing principles. Where do, where do you think that comes from? Well, all right. So a few things you can give, you can give everybody all the technology uh, that you want to. And a lot of these tech products try to, you know, take the hunting part out of it for recruiters, like, you know, make it easy, have your inbox fill up with candidates. But, you know, in the agency world, you never actually, look at all those candidates that hit your inbox that are applying like that that's the last thing you want to do your applicants are usually the ones that are not the best candidates you want this passive stuff right and and it's just that hunters want to hunt 
Uh, it's just like in Jurassic Park, right? T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I think that there's a little bit of that. Um, what we are seeing is recruiters starting to accept um, some automation to take non-recruiting activities out of their hands. So scheduling and things like that that can be done. And then, the, you know, the problem for most employers is um, they rely on agencies to do the hunting. The employers themselves, they can post their ads. You know, they can they can do all that post and pray stuff. Um, but, you know, ask any good talent acquisition manager in a you know, large employer and he'll say a lot of the time, most of their best recruitment hires come from agency background or agency training. Um, and so, you know, you got to You got to learn that stuff. And, you, you know, you should. And the tools are going to change. There's always going to be tools. Your number one tool that you have is is your phone. Yeah, it's by far your strongest tool. It's your it's your sentient extension of yourself. Uh, right. Yeah. What do you, what do you think in terms of, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I talk to a lot of agency recruitment leaders and, and some of them have, have really embraced this idea of you no know, cold calling a lot more kind of online strategy and and some are like you know we're just cold calling cold calling still works so i guess what what's your standpoint on that i mean obviously you just mentioned the phone it's the most powerful tool which for interviewing i i would agree but what about in terms of like reaching out to people where where do you stand on that and how i guess how much importance do you play uh, do you place on on building a brand online as a recruiter nowadays? Like, you know, I'd, I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah. So when I read the book Inbound, right, by the founders of HubSpot uh, 10 plus years ago, it changed my life. Um, you know, sort of like when I read uh, the 24 hour work week by Tim Ferriss for the first time, changed my outlook on things. And uh, if you're not um, building a brand for yourself, um how are you building a network right it's like if a tree falls in the woods you know you post a job somewhere if you don't have a big network who's going to see it yeah right i mean without paying for a job board or something like that but if you you know have 20 plus thousand people that follow you on linkedin uh all of a sudden you've got an audience right and if you're smart about the way you post things their audiences will see it and their audiences will see it. And that's the, that's the genius of that, you know, geometric progression that you get in, in social media. So building your brand is the, where it should all start though, because if you don't look good, if you don't look legit, if you just look like you're going to sell me something, I don't want to connect with you, right? You've got to be attractive. And so that's, that's your brand building. And it's the same thing for employers, same thing for agencies. The agencies and the employers that don't think that they need to look attractive when people go check them out, that, oh, I'm just going to post a job and everybody will want to come work with us. They're not getting it. Um, their competitors are beating them. Now, I know you uh, you help a lot of employers, right, with their with their branding um, and, and, you know, almost helping them become become more human. Right. And yeah. and showing the human side. So what what are some of the strategies that you advise people on, on, on doing and like what are some of the challenges that, that you see or that you come in, come against like you know when you're consulting companies on this is how we become a human like what are some of those roadblocks that you think are stopping most 
or a lot of, of, of employers with that employer branding, particularly mm -hmm. the, the kind of the division between staying on brand and then kind of being human. Like how, how do you kind of coach people through that? Well, so you just mentioned cold calling and I'll be honest, I'm a big fan of, of that. And we didn't really answer that question in the last, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's part of staying more human. Like the most interesting uh, recruitment approaches that I usually get are either a very well written uh, LinkedIn message or a phone call, you know, where they leave me a very well worded uh, voicemail. And I'm going to be honest, I don't answer my phone much and I don't even look at my voicemail very often. And so, you know, if I notice that, uh, you know, somebody's tried to get me a couple of times and it's not trying to show up as a local number and, you know, that, that sort of game. Um, you know, a well-placed cold call is, is still genius. But here's the thing. Companies, um, talent acquisition teams work like this. They, uh, they ask for money. They need a budget so that they can spend uh, dollars on, um, you know, job ads and technology. And then they try to figure out what's the structure for my recruiting team. How many people do I need? Because I've got X number of open jobs. Uh, and then, you know, do we need agencies on top of that beyond that? Or do we need an RPO type model? And <clears throat> what they're, what they're leaving out most of the time is the candidates um, experience, the hiring managers experience and the recruiters experience. So candidate experience is a big deal. Um, but, if the hiring manager uh, isn't having a good experience with the recruitment and the recruiter is also not having a very good experience because nobody's on the same page, it doesn't feel human. It doesn't feel like a, a home base where people want to go work. And you can tell when companies are not in sync uh, when you, when you do interview with them. And so <clears throat> inbound strategy is great um, because you can also, before you make that cold call, show up in that candidate's peripheral vision uh, a number of times by connecting with them on social media, posting things they might be interested in and even maybe tagging them um, or uh, liking and commenting on their stuff. So, you know, show up a number of times and give a lot more than you ask. Right. I use the five to one give to ask ratio. It's the you know 20 percent principle, 80, uh, 20. And if you are, are giving, you know, positive things, helpful things, uh, a whole lot more than you're asking for referrals or, you know, look at my job or whatever, um, then people are more likely to say yes. And so that's why inbound is such a beautiful thing. And, and it does help you to be more human because people see you, yeah. right? You're showing up in their feed on a regular basis. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. I wanted to take a moment to introduce my sponsor, Huxo Media are the world's leading content marketing agency for the recruitment industry. They're currently working with over 250 recruitment agencies that includes 3000 recruitment consultants across the world. They help them build LinkedIn brands that open up more opportunities by following a proven methodology daily. In 2021, the hugely successful Huxo Academy is changing. They have launched an eight-week personal brand program, which you can roll out across your whole business. The Academy is aimed at helping traditional recruiters that rely on outbound calls to attract candidates and clients. Those who often lack the knowledge of how to use LinkedIn for anything other than posting jobs and in-mails. 
They struggle with both the ideas and the confidence when it comes to producing relevant content. Post-COVID-19, we all know that the world is truly digital. The modern recruiter needs to have a unique and consistent LinkedIn presence that offers value to their community and drives opportunities inbound. The Huxo Academy helps every recruiter in your agency achieve this in eight weeks, enrolling a new cohort of training at the start of each calendar month. For the first 50 customers of 2021, they are offering you the chance to enroll unlimited users onto the program for 12 months at no extra cost. So you have 50 or 500 consultants now, or you plan to hire more throughout the year, you can rest assured that they will get all the training they need to build a brand that wins business on LinkedIn. Please click the link attached to this episode or DM me on LinkedIn to find out how your agency can join the program. If you've been in this academy, please add in some information about your experience. We'd love to hear from you and why you chose to partner with us as you truly believe in the impact it can have in the way that modern recruiters work. So we got Dave just said hi from Toronto. So hi, Dave. We got Julia from Toronto. We've got a lot of Toronto here. Right. Uh, and we got some Miami here as well. Uh, Karen just says hi. And then she just says, I agree. Uh, so you drop, you said something wonderful and, and she agrees with it. Uh, and you, you're dropping a lot of knowledge here. And then Aldo just had a question. Um, so from the job search perspective, and I know you mentioned this at, be, mm-hmm. at the beginning, I do want to touch point about this because there's probably people who are out there that are looking to build a personal brand uh, while they're job searching. Yeah. What what are, what are a couple of few you know a few quick tips that you can give to someone who's on the job search? They're looking to build their personal brand. What what is effective? Um, and like what what would you advise someone to do? Let's say in a, if they had half an hour, what would you use that half an hour of time to do uh, to be effective on a job search? Just want to touch upon that. Yeah, start an LLC. like literally start your own uh, company that you can put on your LinkedIn profile as you're always on job, right? So even if you get another job, you know, you're going to have your brand company open Mm -hmm. and you can tell your employer, Hey, that's just for side side work. You know, if you don't want me doing side work, it's fine, but I'm not going to take this off my LinkedIn profile because when I'm between jobs, I, you know, I, I ramp this back up. And that way you never have a hole in your experience, right? You've always got something going on. The other cool thing you can do with that is research companies that you want to work for, right? And, uh, you know, maybe compare them against three competitors and then publish your research through your LinkedIn profile, through your company's uh, page or on your company's uh, blog on LinkedIn, if you want, uh, or however you want to do it, but tie it tie it to your company, right? Post it as an attachment under your little corporation. And when you do your LinkedIn post, tag all the people who might hire you at that company that you want to work for and keep doing this, right? Become the subject matter expert in their eyes on the thing that you want to do. Yeah, that's awesome. That's it. You know, it's the first time I've ever heard that actually about the, uh, you know, starting up an LLC and, and uh, keeping it on a profile of that. Um, and, and I'd say too, you know, just, Find find the, the the hiring managers or map out the companies you want to work with. Engage on their content. Yeah. Show up, be helpful, and like you said before, like giving is so big on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and it's hilarious. I mean, it's not hilarious, but I see CEOs they will post on LinkedIn, and I've seen companies with thousands of people. The CEO will post, and they'll get three likes on one comment. And you know, if you're that person that shows up and you give some insight, I'm not saying say 
love this or great post, but you right. actually consume whatever it is they posted, it can go a long way. And then Dave just asked, what's the most important pro aspect of personal branding you look for that factors into your decision to attempt to recruit a subject matter expert? Um, so, that, so that's, I mean, Craig, you're, you're an expert when it comes to employer branding and, and what to look for. I mean, what would you, what are the types of things that would make you a subject matter expert? I know you just touched upon that a little bit, but what are, what are some more things that, that would make you an SME um, on, on LinkedIn? So, you know, any author or author coach or even a speaker coach will tell you that, uh, you, you know, you have to sharpen your saw on a regular basis. So, you know, research something and write about it every day. And uh, that will hone your writing skills, right? Your writing gets better um, and you become more regular, right, uh, to your audience. And, you know, even if you use video, right, video is great, but you have to write um, an introduction to your video. And that can be long. That can be very long. And that fills it up with keywords. And yeah. the more keywords are in the description of your video, uh, the higher you're going to start ranking in the algorithm that uh, shows it in the newsfeed. And so, you know, definitely go get your friends to, to like and comment on it uh, immediately and babysit that thing for 20 minutes or so. And it's a commitment. Um, but uh, if I see somebody with really good writing, they know how to get their post uh, blown up. They know how to interact with people and they do a good job of it on a regular basis. That's the type of person I'm looking for. Carrie Corcoran, who is on this uh, call, is working with me right now on two projects. She's part of the talent net team. And I went to her because she's very good at all that stuff. Yep. hundred percent. And, uh, Aldo just said, just said, uh, that's an interesting idea. So yeah. And just said, love the gap filler perspective as well. Uh, I'd agree. And then Karen, she just said great idea about showing up with companies you want to get hired for. Um, yeah, I, and, and I love that. I'm, I'm curious. Okay. So we, we talked a little bit about, you know, the writing and the inbound marketing strategies with with companies. And one of the things that was interesting that you said was about these AOL chat rooms. And in my mind, that's actually kind of what I think about when I think of clubhouses. I think of like, it's kind of like these chat rooms that are going on. It's, you know, there's a lot of uh, kind of spontaneity. You never know who's going to be in, in the room. What's What's been your take on that? Because I know we've we kind of have touched, uh, you know, you know, we've run across each other in a couple rooms. I've seen that you're somewhat, you know, showing up there regularly. How do you think that that's going to impact, or do you think it's going to could potentially have an impact with um, hiring and how some of these conversations are started? What what you, what's your take on the platform so far and this like audio based drop in concept? Yeah, so <clears throat> clearly. Um it's popular, right? Uh, and because I, I tweeted something about this the other day, Clubhouse has built a great platform and now they have to defend it because everybody else, seven major players are, are getting into that, um, you know, audio only type of uh, space. And it'll morph and change and it'll become something that's more consumable, right? But um, right now it's unique uh, and it, it's, it's almost like being able to join a live radio show when they have call-ins. Everybody wants to do that if you're a fan of the show. And uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's also, you know, very much like a live podcast where you could be on the show as well. And it, it's kind of always on. It's but very much like the radio. Your favorite show isn't always on. 
I somehow got uh, asked to be part of the Breakfast with Champions group. Uh, and so I am there uh, every Wednesday afternoon with a whole bunch of famous people, um, you know, talking about crazy stuff. It's not always the same. We're not always talking about recruiting or LinkedIn, but those things come up a lot. And so yeah. you, kind, you kind of have to pick through and find the conversation that works for you and the room size that you're comfortable with. But, you know, even on a Saturday morning out for a hike, there's also, you know, very oftentimes more interesting conversations going on there than a lot of the podcasts that I listen to. Do you, do you think that the application for recruiters could be, I mean, do you think there's, there's potential there to connect with, with candidates or it's a good place to um, connect with candidates and like, what would be your advice for, you know, let's say a recruiter that got the invite and are thinking, okay, how could I potentially use this? Yeah. Uh, what, what what kind of strategies do you think would work with that? Or what advice would you have for, for people with that? So specifically, yeah, I think, I think you can use clubhouse to recruit salespeople. I know you can use it to recruit marketers and content creators. I know yeah. you can use it to recruit tech people because uh, the techies are all in the crypto rooms. So you can also use it to recruit financial people. Um, you have to have a good BS meter uh, because in a lot of those crypto rooms, there's a lot of bad advice being given around, right? But uh, you can't because there are, let's face it, they're artificially inflating things for their own selfish purposes. Uh, and so find whatever, but you know, it's so easy to go check out somebody's profile and connect with them through clubhouse. It's, it's a much better, uh, way. So techies don't like to be on video very much trying to get, uh, you know, if you're trying to recruit a programmer, they, they don't want to do a video call with you. Right. Um, they really don't want to be communicated with through LinkedIn either. Uh, so where are the places, what are the channels that you might have an alternate, right? And clubhouse right now is, is very good. You can invite people to a private chat. Employers could use it to have their engineers on to talk about some of the projects they're working on and have, you know, invite an audience to come hang out there for that. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's, I think there's lots of applications. Yeah. And I know LinkedIn's talking about kind of adding in their own function as well. Um, yeah. And and I know that they've just added creator mode as well. So I'm curious if do you have access to the creator mode on, on LinkedIn? I do. Okay. Um, it's interesting. I haven't done much with it yet, but I got invited and, um, yeah, it's, it's, they just want more content. They want more free content basically is, is what they want. And, you know, I'm fine with that. That's, that's user generated content is the best. Any employer that is not giving their employees permission to use a common hashtag, uh, about work when they post anything, um, online, they're doing it wrong, right? Any, any press is good press most of the time. Um, and if it's free and it's from your employees, that's genius. So LinkedIn, we're not their employees, we're their customers. And if you can get customer generated content, that's great as well. It's why Yelp is so popular, right? Um, people like to complain, but people also uh, will give good reviews if they if done right. And uh, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to play with it. We'll see. There's too many things for me to touch right now uh, to I don't have time for it all, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to do a little bit every day. And um, I don't know, Lars and I are going to jump on and do a, a, a Twitter space 
uh, oh yeah, yeah. Sometime soon this week and do do cool tools there. So we're dipping our toe in everywhere. It's yeah. I think uh, I've I've seen some of the Twitter spaces going on. Um, it's it's funny. I know with like this, uh, just touching on that LinkedIn creator mode. One of the things they're going to be adding is uh, a ten, sorry, twenty second story that lives behind the profile picture. Now I'm 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 kind of conflicted just in in my uh, thoughts of that because I think if you're in sales or you're an entrepreneur, awesome, right? But I'm just thinking like for job seekers, you know, is that going to? What are your thoughts in that playing? You know, kind of maybe against some job seekers, or maybe creating, uh, you know, even more bias with with certain decisions. Um, and then the other question I would have: Do you do you think that like high level leadership within, you know, big brands and big companies would take advantage of of that type of of feature, or who do you who do you think is going to really take advantage of that kind of create a mode with that video story? So, <clears throat> the ones who uh you know, actually post things themselves, actually will write blog posts, do their own tweets. Um, you know, the ones that get it will take advantage of that sort of thing. I, I coach executives all the time uh, through things like this for companies, right? And um, some of them just want someone else to do it. Um, some of them are very much more comfortable doing that stuff themselves. And if they are, I, I would recommend it. Yeah, and for job seekers, I think it's a great opportunity, right? I mean if everybody has an even playing field, but they don't right now. So yeah, that's going to cause some problems, but when everybody does and it will roll out eventually this whole, you know, invitation. Yeah, I think it's like within, within a, within a month, they said that it should roll out. Cause yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't got it yet. Yeah. So it's just a, a real good opportunity to showcase, um, you know, a little bit of your personality, um, a little bit about yourself. I'm a big fan of putting some personal stuff in my, about section on LinkedIn. I, you know, right there that I have, uh, you know, two kids and we live by Grapevine Lake and no, three boys and we live by Grapevine Lake, right? Two kids, uh, two dogs, <laughs> two dogs, three Someone, boys. Someone's feeling really left out right now. One wife. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, but all those, <laughs> all those things I always, so I always say that you should, you should have three things that you're always comfortable talking about um, in, places online or in public and they're the three things that you want people to remember about you because they're more interesting to people than your job title for instance but then it's also a good opportunity to showcase a little bit about your expertise what are you an sme in and if you can't say all that stuff in 20 seconds uh you've got to practice better because that's your elevator pitch yeah, no, that's uh, that's super great advice there as as well. Um, when when you're coaching executives and you're coaching leaders, what what do you uh, you know is there is there a shift in mindset or, or like what, what what do you see as some of those kind of big barriers with with stuff like LinkedIn content and like putting themselves out there? Because uh, I run in this in this a lot, like when I'm having conversations, um, you know, with people about putting out. LinkedIn content as, as recruiters, there's always those, those kind of barriers. So what are some of those common barriers that you run into? Yeah. So when I coach, uh, so I do training for big teams, right? A lot of, a lot of staffing agencies, a lot of employers, recruitment teams or sales teams, uh, sometimes there's social media teams. And then very oftentimes it, they'll invite their executives on. And then sometimes it leads to me doing work directly with them. And, 
it depends on their mindset. So even on any kind of team, you're going to have some people that have a legacy mindset. They're averse to change and they don't want to put their personal stuff out there in the world. And there are valid reasons for that. I mean, I've had multiple instances where people use my photos and become a doppelganger named something else, but they are kind of using uh, my images to get people to send them money or whatever. Um, yeah. And so, you know, those, those are all legit uh, concerns, but it's pretty easy to get that stuff removed when it does happen. Uh, I never use my kids' real names online. I only ever call them numbers one, two, and three sons. And so, you know, if you can use, uh, like I use my my wife's uh, initials way more than I ever use her name, that sort of thing. And so if you can use nicknames <clears throat> for the loved ones you might want to protect, uh, that's one example of a way that you can put yourself out there, get people to understand that you're a 3D human person more, and uh, because that's the thing that's going to attract your audience and that's you know people want to know about you i mean you've seen a huge shift on on linkedin i think we all have with more personal content than ever and uh, yeah. you know i'm definitely i mean spend five minutes on my uh my, my post you're gonna see yeah. you know a big mix of personal like i'm constantly pushing the boundary with what i put out there some of that's testing you know testing to see what works and and testing out different things but what do you, I guess, what are your thoughts behind that change? And do you see that as something that's directly related to the pandemic and work from home situation? And it's really reflecting like overall where business is going? Or do you see this as like a negative effect on the platform and, and something which, you know, might might change? I, I guess, where, where do you see kind of branding and, and personal branding going in that sense, if that makes sense? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of complaining. I mean, we hear this on Clubhouse a lot. A lot of people complain about the oversharing on LinkedIn and, um, you know, the uh, over-emotional um, stories and, and things like that. LinkedIn is encouraging this, okay? They pump those stories up in the algorithm. Um, you know, when, when people connect at a human level, LinkedIn would love to be consider the Facebook for business, right? And they, they kind of are, and that's, that's, that's what they're going for. That's why they're, you know, started with video. That's why they made that a huge priority. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this, this audio thing will probably be the same way. They'll push it hard. Uh, so they're encouraging these kind of more personal conversations. It is a little bit of a fallout from work from home and the gig economy. And we were going that way before COVID. So we can't blame it on COVID uh, necessarily. Kind of accelerated it. Maybe. Kind of accelerated. Right. I mean, you know, very, very coincidentally, <laughs> it came at a really, really critical time. Right. So uh, it's, it's a little insane how the world has shaped up. Um, but, you know, if you're one of these people that uh, doesn't like change because you're used to something being uh, the way it has been forever, like, you know, not all this personal stuff on LinkedIn, you're going to have to swallow that a little bit and, and get with the program because uh, change is going to be constant from here on out. Do you think that's going to drive away, um, you know, for example, I don't I, like, I don't want to just label whole group people, but uh, I don't know. Let's say if we look at like, you know, C-suite leadership, 
Um, where I guess like, I mean, a lot of times I'm hearing that that's kind of where I hear a lot of complaints coming from. Uh, but then obviously there's a lot of articles now around like mental health and kind of like that work from home burnout and, and how do we balance work from home life with, with, with business. Uh, but do you see that, you know, maybe, maybe like a large portion of LinkedIn users that kind of like things how they were, do you see people disconnecting or do you think it, it is more of a case that most of those people, because they have business equity in, in the platform, will just kind of swallow that and just keep on moving forward with the platform? Or do you think a lot of people will leave? Um, you, you know, we've been speculating that people are going to leave the platform for, I mean, ever since LinkedIn started allowing uh, automated marketing bots to, you know, spam you with messages and, so what that does for me is it drives me a little farther away from my LinkedIn inbox, um, but it doesn't keep me off the platform, right? So many people still rely on LinkedIn to do their business, uh, to generate leads, whether they're for recruiting or sales. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of the major platforms uh, for advertising as well. Um, you know, it's kind of expensive and it's not my favorite. I'm not sure it always works the best, but you can do account based marketing on Indeed, which is hard to do in other places. And that's uh, that's a real benefit. So, you know, like anything else, uh, you, you get tired of it, but you have to be consistent. And this is why I think the smart people will stick with it. Because across all your channels, if you're going to have a channel, uh, you need to be, even if you're automating some stuff, I don't care, that's fine. <clears throat> but you, there has to be some consistency there or your audience will fall away. And people do this all the time when they're in job search mode, right? I just changed jobs and so I need to ramp up or I'm looking for a job, so I need to ramp up. And uh, and then they get busy and they they go away for you know a year or two and uh, they come yeah. back and they're like, why isn't this as effective for me? Well, it's because you're not consistent, right? Your audience expects consistency. And so when you give them that, even if you're just posting once a week, um, it's better than nothing. And uh, so got to keep going back. You know, it's so funny because I think, you know, that was one of the big things that switched in my mind with LinkedIn in general was it is just such a powerful tool for real networking and, and really connecting with people. And it was something that, you know, when it comes to like, physical networking or face-to-face -face networking. I've never really felt like I was that great at networking events, yeah. but LinkedIn, I found it really a lot easier to connect with someone. Uh, hey, are you open to a, a quick conversation? And even if they weren't in my field or somebody that I was targeting for business, I had a lot of those conversations and I got a lot of great returns out of that and really built my network. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do, to, to your point, I think it's, it's a consistency and it's like once you get that job still carrying on networking and right. usually it's like networking goes up when you're when you're job seeking like you say and then just goes right back down um dave i, I want to finish off with with uh with this last question here because i actually think it's really good so dave just said do you feel like platforms are creating too many communication channels do all of these new features give recruiters more or less opportunity to find talent and i think we've we hear that a lot with like technology. Is it helping? Yeah. Is it hindering? What are your What are your thoughts on that? You know, as as a if you were coming into the industry as a recruiter today, do you think that these tools and all the channels make it easier or, or create more opportunity, or they just make it make it harder for people to figure out the best route? So, 
I like free stuff. Okay, so I'm going to start there. Uh, as long as these channels are free, it's always a good opportunity for recruiters. When you start having to pay for them, like I've been doing for LinkedIn for a long, long time, um, then you know there's a little bit of a barrier there. But I like the premium profile features I get on LinkedIn, and all of these channels will make that sort of switch. So you know you like your account right now, it's great, but we're going to show you a bunch of ads, and if you want to stop that, we're going to you know charge a little bit of a fee. It's going to happen with everything. So you will have to pick your poison at some point. But as long as they're free, utilize everything you can, right? Uh, we've got a real problem uh, getting people to apply for jobs right now, uh, especially in, you know, kind of blue collar jobs, healthcare, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and so why wouldn't you use all the channels that you possibly can get your hands on? You do have to really, um, you know, mark your, mark your day and set your times when you're going to do this sort of activity. Uh, and if you don't already know the best times to make phone calls and the best time to get a hold of somebody and the best time to post something on LinkedIn in order to get eyeballs on it and all that stuff, well, you need to study a little bit because um, you know you're not you're not doing it right. If you just if you're just sending out emails, posting jobs, and then making phone calls, and you're successful that way, great. I'm not going to try to break your process. But if you could be five percent better by doing a little bit of social media on a regular basis, why not do that? You only have to be this much better than your competition to win, right? doesn't have to yep. be up here, right? Yeah, no, that's great, great advice, I love it. Well, typically uh, let the show go to about 45 minutes. So I'm, that was a great question, Dave, as well, and I appreciate everybody's engagement here. So Dave, Aldo, Hamid, Karen, uh, Mawa, great to see all you guys out there too, and I really appreciate these questions. Craig, if you if you could give, um, and I always, I always like to end the show list. If if you were to give um, somebody who's just entering into recruitment, or maybe this like their first year was, you know, this cr just kind of crazy period of time we've had. What ad what advice would you give to somebody, um, and particularly if they were just feeling like, yeah, I don't know if recruiting is for me, or I don't know like if this is the best field for me to be in. Uh, what advice would you give to them, uh, or would you give to someone who's in that in that situation? Yeah, find a mentor. Um, find somebody who's doing it well. Watch, you know, the people that you admire or respect on uh, social media, LinkedIn, places like that, and, and watch what they do. Study um, how they how they do things. What's their cadence? And then, you know, when you get to where you've got a relationship with somebody, you know, ask them if they'll share a little bit of their time uh, with you and, and mentor you because um, uh, you'd be surprised how quickly you can make great strides when you talk to people that have shortcuts. Yeah, hundred percent. And is there anybody that you would recommend outside of yourself that you, that you look to, or you think, man, that, you know, that person's got a great strategy on social. They're doing amazing things in the recruitment world who any, anyone that comes to mind. Well, so Lars Schmidt is amazing, right? He's one of my collaborators and partners. Um, uh, I'm a mentor to Mike Batman Cohen. Uh, but he is a great mentor to a lot of other people. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I seem like I'm just naming all my friends, but. Uh, <laughs> but that's how that's how it becomes right on LinkedIn. Yeah. It starts off with with those connections and you really do develop a ton of friends. So I love that's that. right. Yeah. yeah. William Tinkup would be another. Awesome. Well, Craig, what's what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Uh, where, where can they find you? Obviously, LinkedIn, anywhere else that, that's good, a good place to reach you or any, anywhere else. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm on Twitter and Instagram at fish dogs. S F I S H D O G S. You can find my, uh, website. That's uh, my personal website about me and, uh, my speaking career and things like that at fishdogs.com or craigfisher.info. It's all the same. And, uh, go check out talentnetmedia.com uh, or talentnetlive.com to find out about the next event that we have coming up, which is November 12th. Awesome. And we hope that is going to be a hybrid event, uh, both in person and uh, streaming online. And where, where is that going to be held at? We don't know yet. We usually do uh, large employers headquarters. Um, uh, the last time we did it in person, we were at Toyota's uh, headquarters here in, uh, in Plano, Texas. And uh, we've been at Capital One, Southwest Airlines, PepsiCo, Frito-Lay, JCPenney, I mean, Pizza Hut, uh, you name it. We've got all these great, uh, wonderful Fortune 500 headquarters here in the Dallas area. And then in the spring, we're always at Whole Foods Market uh, World Headquarters uh, awesome. in Austin. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll find an employer that wants to host us this year. Awesome. Love it. Well, definitely, uh, if you're not following Craig, go follow him. Uh, check him out on Twitter, Instagram, and and go to uh, his website as well. I'll post those links as well in the in the comments afterwards. So um, revisit this live show, and you'll be able to see that. Um, and then Dave, I do, he just said thanks for the amazing content. And uh, Karen too, she left a nice note just saying great advice on being consistent on LinkedIn. So Greg, I really appreciate your time, man. I, I'm so glad we got to do this. Um, I will, um, I'll be repurposing this into, uh, the podcast as well. So I'll send those links over again. Appreciate your time. And, uh, hopefully we'll be able to chat on clubhouse soon again. And, uh, thanks again for, for showing up today. Thanks, Joel. Great, uh, time. I, I really enjoyed it. And then I'll just end this here.